Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Too Tall Stuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but we know he doesn't know everything, Mr. <laughs> Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I had to fill out your full name today for... For somewhere we're going. Yeah. Did you get me one of them first-class flights? I definitely didn't do that. No. <laughs> sure didn't. Oh. I, ran it, I ran it by the board of the company, and they said, nah. Mm, that's so nice of them. They said, nah I really appreciate you. that. We did. I believe you did book the flights for Freedom Fest. I did. Which is July 21st to 24th at Mount Rushmore. We're going to be there the 20th through the 25th. Nice. Everyone come hang out with us. Mm. Okay. But don't bother us too much. But seriously... Come hang out. Come say hi. We want to meet everyone. That's where you can come hang out for sure. And then there's probably going to be Pork Fest and Young Americans for Liberty's convention is later in the year. So we'll be there too. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, Hawaii's favorite morning show. We talk life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. I love how we just dubbed ourselves yeah. Hawaii's favorite morning show. I saw the numbers and it turns out we're Hawaii's <laughs> favorite morning show. I looked. Yeah. Maybe Hawaii's favorite morning time Liberty show. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. I mean, if you say it is, then it is, then it becomes, that's what yeah. it is. Hey, we're the, we're the number one libertarian podcast. That's yeah. what we'll say. You know, that's why I clicked on not to, he's talked about this before, so I'm not outing anyone, but that's why I clicked on Jason Stapleton's podcast when I first looked for libertarian podcasts. My first day looking for a libertarian podcast, I clicked on the one that said it was the number one libertarian yeah. podcast. So you I was like, I need to be listening to this one right here. And he admitted later that, that was just a just a marketing thing. You just put that in there. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you just <laughs> pretty say good it. idea. Yeah, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, it did. obviously. <laughs> we even talked about it when we uh, interviewed him, which is a good interview, by the way. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen. Um, we uh, we you know we were pretty, I would say, influenced by Stapleton mm -hmm, mm -hmm. quite a bit, and uh, he's a good dude and still has a good podcast. It's now called Wealth, Power, and Influence. So. Uh, but yeah, that's what he did. That's, you know. I think that's a good idea. So from now idea. on, we are Hawaii's number one libertarian podcast. Yeah. That uh, Number one morning show libertarian podcast. Yeah. And we have the second tallest libertarian that we know of right across from me, Mr. Charles Thompson. Now today we've got some stuff to talk about. We've got some crazy stuff going down with a lawsuit against Snapchat, which is weird to me that Charlie's going to tell us about here. We got a couple good articles from fee.org from guys like Brad Palumbo and John Miltimore, both two amazing gentlemen who have been on the show before and some other random news that we're going to throw in there, sprinkle around just a little bit. But first I got to tell you guys to make sure you smash that subscribe button, subscribe on YouTube to all the social media channels that there are. And Charlie, you got a, you got a good-looking shirt on yeah. right there, man. What's up with that? Let's, let's see if I can show the cameras. Show the camera. This, Let me by see. By the way, Clad. Clad. <laughs> clad. Clay. Plug your ears, Clay. I like Clad better. <laughs> I had Clay and Ad in my mind at the same time. <laughs> it's a Clad. Yeah, this is a Clad. So just plug your ears. Here we go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can get the camera on this on this thing. It looks great. Yeah. 
So this is from Up in Arms Clothing. By the way, that's the nice shirt that Charles is showing up. Uh, Up in Arms Clothing takes its motto from the phrase in arms, meaning to help fight a common enemy. Up in Arms indicates that the soldier wasn't just equipped for battle, but was standing and ready for it. Do you feel standing and ready for battle right now, Charles? I feel so ready. Mm, You're going to have to do some lake diving before you go into battle, I know, but... You're up for the task. They were founded in 2020 by a Marine Corps combat veteran and defense contractor. Well, I like the poses. Well, I look like a doing. male model. Yeah, looks really good. <laughs> defense contractor to equip, make ready a people that stand the defiance of all forms of tyranny and are ready to fight against it, like Charles Thompson right here. They represent Americans that stand for what is right and just and that support our military and first responders. No longer the silent majority, but rather patriots equipped and standing ready to defend our God-given freedoms. That's one thing about this show, by the way, we do, even though it's a libertarian podcast and libertarians are, I think, most well known for hating military members and first responders. (laughs) It's like (laughs) one of the things that libertarians are most known for. We don't really fit into that category. No. And at all. And we can go in depth about why that is. And we, we have quite a bit. So no, we don't like the wars. No, don't agree with with us being in war. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the members. No, not not one bit. Up in Orange values American made products and cuts no corners that provide affordable made in the USA apparel. All their products are sourced from American made materials and printed in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where the lady just went. How about that? Yeah. Did she grab any shirts while she was there? No, I don't think she did. Their founder, Daniel Skillman, served eight years as a grunt in the Marine Corps through four combat tours in Iraq and has been supporting and training our nation's military members for over 15 years. They're committed to providing high-quality, relentlessly American apparel. They aim to make statement and support our God-given rights, man. Through their endeavor, they want to provide their customers with high-quality apparel that speaks loudly to all of their shared beliefs. Go to Up in Arms Clothing. Dot com and use that their promo code Good Morning Liberty for fifteen percent off. Mm, that was an ad right there. It's your shirts. I tell you, I'm not wearing mine today, but I really do like the shirt. I actually I do got too. Yeah, yeah, it's a great fit. So it's nice. I'm well, telling you, I look better than I actually do. Probably. I mean, when I was looking at myself, <laughs> you look camera, better than you do. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that because of the shirt. <laughs> it is. It's That's, all shirt. Yeah, and you know, I'm not taking it back. I'm going to keep it. So thanks, Daniel. Really appreciate that. And no, Tom, it's not an extra, 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 extra large shirt. It's just a double X. Okay. What, what, how big do I look on camera? Pretty, Jesus. Pretty big. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Charlie, tell me about this Snapchat thing and we'll have to differentiate between. Let me first by start. Let me just say I hate Snapchat. You, yeah. I hate it. I haven't used it in a long time. I don't even have it anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I deleted it off my phone. I don't like it. I, it was, I was like, why would I, how many social medias do I have to update when I go do something cool? Right. And most of the time I forget to post anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't still understand like why we need another one. My family, both on my wife's side and my side, they use Snapchat to communicate like all of their, here's what the kids are doing things all the time. And you know what? Screw those kids. I'm not getting Snapchat. Okay. I'll just watch my wife's phone. I'm not doing it. Yeah. She can show me what's important. Hey, look. (laughs) And then it's gone. But I mean, Instagram has stories and share the same thing. I don't know. Anyway, um, if you like Snapchat, whatever. Good for you. Court says Snapchat can be sued for deaths of trio using app during fatal crash. This is from reason.com. So from reason it's a time honored tradition for folks to blame new entertainment and communications, mediums, rock music, rap music, 
That's music's of the devil. <laughs> Video games, violence. For the follies of the youth using them and social media has no, uh, been no exception. For years, parents, media, and authorities have been trying to hold popular apps accountable for a range of ills visited on young people using them. And that's because you always, when, when something tragic happens, you know, the first stage is denial. You can't believe that something like that would have happened. It must be someone else's fault. Yep. Has to be someone else's fault. That's called denial, by the way. That's you, the get into the, you get into the anger part. Grief. You want to find people to blame. Exactly. For the most part, courts have rejected claims that the mere existence of these new mediums is responsible for people using them in ways that prove dangerous. In part, this is common sense, right? Mm. In part, it relies on Section 230, the federal communications law protecting digital services from some liability for the speech and action of their users. But now a federal appeals court is taking a worrying step in the opposite direction. On Tuesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that the parents of three young people killed in a 2017 car crash could sue Snapchat because their kids had been using the app at the time of the crash. The car carrying 17-year-olds Jason Davis, Hunter Morby, and 20-year-old Landon Brown hit a tree while going approximately 113 miles per hour. Snapchat's fault. It sounds like Snapchat's fault. Yeah. yeah. They must have seen a Snapchat story that said... <clears throat> Bring this thing up to 113. You'll see why they're blaming it on Snapchat here in a sec. Then burst into flames. Before the fatal accident, Brown had opened Snapchat and pulled up the app Speed Filter, which shoots video while broadcasting how fast the uh, those you using it are going. Snapchat responded to their parents' lawsuit by asserting that the company was protected by Section 230 because the Speed Filter is nothing more than a content creation tool with the platform that requires actual publishing to come from third-party users. In short, the company argued that uh, that holding it liable for creating the filter would, in effect, be making it liable for third-party content in violation of the law. U.S. District Judge Michael Fitzgerald of the Center, uh, Central District of California agreed, dismissing the case in March by reasoning that it sought to treat the company as the publisher or speaker of information provided by another information content provider. But a three-judge panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit on Tuesday reversed that lower court's decision, said you did not make the right decision. We reverse it. Reasoning that the central issue in the case concerns Snapchat's product design, not whether it was responsible for content created and posted by the users on the app. Now, Jesus. They're responsible because of the product's design, Snapchat's design. What, what about the car that was going 113 miles right, an hour? right. Can they sue the car company? Because by design, it bursts uh. into flames. And uh, anyway, the court called the crash one of the predictable consequences of designing Snapchat in such a way that it allegedly encouraged dangerous behavior and wrote that as such, Snapchat does not enjoy immunity from the suit under Section 230. Now... This must be the first time that teenagers have ever tried to get their car to go over 100 miles an hour. And the only reason why they did it was because of the Snapchat filter. That's it's leading. Have it, you ever driven over 100 miles an hour, Nate? I have. Yeah. Me, me too. You want to yeah. know why? Because it was fun. Because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's stupid. Very dumb. Don't do that, kids. If you're listening, don't repeat the same mistakes because something bad can happen. But that's the risk you take. That's part of what makes it fun, by the way. Why do you think people jump out of airplanes or go bungee jumping or any of this stuff that's very risky? Because 
when you don't die, you're like, oh my God, that was so much fun. People jump out of airplanes so they can put it on Instagram. So therefore, Instagram is liable if exactly. anyone gets hurt jumping out of an airplane. Right, right. Sounds, sounds. Now, one thing I want to say is you should have the right to sue people. Like, you can sue people. This does not yeah, mean, this does not mean that a court is going to find Snapchat liable for this. But this could set up some precedent. I don't see any way that this would actually go through. It's, you know, Waze has a speedometer on there, too. So they better watch out. I know. They got to they gotta make sure that they... Marie says, hold on, I may have missed it, but why didn't he just use a speedometer? <laughs> it was just... Maybe the car only registered 85. So... The you know, like they used to. The fact that there's a filter that allows you to take a snap showing how fast you're going means that it's Snapchat's fault that you were trying to get that to say that you were going 113 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. That... Can we... Can someone explain the logic to me? And listen, I feel bad for the parents, all the families. There's three people that died. It is. It's and very like what sad. Charlie said, you're, you're getting to the, there's an anger and a denial phase here. There's an anger phase where they're trying to find somewhere to blame. And there's a denial phase that it could possibly just be your kid's fault that this happened. Right. That they were doing something stupid. And it's not someone else's fault that this happened. The reason I picked this article is because all this is showing me is this continue belief that nothing is ever the fault of the people who took the actions that caused it, that the consequences are never your fault. Right. Someone else is to blame. If we just take the speedometer feature off of Snapchat, you know how many lives we're going to save? This would have never happened. What about people who are texting? Your phone works when you're moving. So, I mean, obviously you're encouraging people to text while they're driving or to even get on Snapchat in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that it even exists we should sue because I mean, like you said, the car has the capability to go to 113 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. The fact that it said 113 was probably encouraging. So we need to make it where you can't see how fast you're going anyway. But then I guess you want to use a Snapchat filter to see how fast you're going. So I don't know if that one really work out. All this is, is just more, more people trying to find a way for the consequences of their actions, not being their fault, not taking responsibility for making bad decisions and people make bad decisions and, and bad things happen. I made bad decisions and found out that my Mustang would shut off at like 116, something like that. It would, it would limit and wouldn't go any faster than that. Was that a bad decision? Yeah, but I looked out, made it through it. I was on a back road, like a blacktop back road mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. Cause I knew there'd be no cops or anything. Not that it would have mattered back then anyway, <laughs> but I, I knew that I wouldn't get in trouble for it. And I lucked out. Some people push the limits like that and they don't, they don't look out. Yeah. It's just, it's just life. Some people legally race mm -hmm. cars going mm -hmm. a lot faster than that and end up dying Yeah, in a regulated legal race, by the way, to all my Earnhardt fans out there, raise hell, praise Dale. Um, I think somebody said something interesting. Now, there, the McDonald's case, somebody said no one thought that the girl who spilled hot coffee on her lap would sue McDonald's either. I do have a little bit of a caveat to that, which is the, the it was an old lady, a very old lady. And when they handed her the coffee, the lid wasn't on properly, and they basically dumped it on her lap. Mm -hmm. And she ended up getting third degree burns like in her groin area and had like she had to have all these skin grafts and stuff and burn treatment. She was in the hospital for a long time and she sued McDonald's to pay for the medical bills. That's all she asked for. Actually, it was like 80,000 or something like that. She, that's all she asked for. What happened was, is the jury added the, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, she won her case, but then the jury added that, um, uh, 
whatever the upcharge that they can add. I can't remember what you call that legally. Somebody help me out. Uh, punitive. Yes. The, the jury added like $20 million in punitive damages. Um, and and now, that's how now in your cup, it says that your coffee is hot. Yeah. Caution. Thank you for letting yeah. us know. Good. Uh, another guy, another case. Um, and I believe this is uh this is tort law. I think um, another case, a guy had cruise control on his camper. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. And yep. he sued and won because he put it on cruise control, went back to his camp, went in the back of the camper and wrecked and sued and won. So anyway, you know, it could, it could go either way. I, I do think you should be able to sue people. I agree with that. You, to try to prove that that person caused you harm. I just, uh, you know, the main reason I picked this was really what we talk about every day, which is trying to take personal responsibility. And because this is such a terrible story where three young people died, we have to be able to hold the proper principles, the proper life principles in the worst conditions, like the conditions where it's just, it's, it's the hardest to possibly follow up with those principles. And when you have a story about three young people dying in a car crash and you want to find someone to blame for it, this is another time where you can just say, you are responsible for the consequences of your actions. Can it, they sue the Fast and Furious movies? They, I think they should. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really think they should. It's probably what killed you know Paul Walker, too. You know how fast I was driving after watching those movies? I put a Galdern spoiler on the back of my car. <laughs> I was racing all over the place. I got you pulled over so much. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I told you I've been pulled over 77 times, and a lot of it was because I tried to make it look like my car was a was a race car. So it was dumb. It was dumb, and I got made fun of properly for it, and, and I should have. Zero tickets. <laughs> I got a couple tickets. They just all got dropped. <laughs> all right, some economics here. Some important... That is some white Asian male privilege, if I've ever seen it. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> yeah. Some economics here from fee.org. This is from Mr. Brad Palumbo. He's been on the show a couple times. Make sure you listen to his podcast, Breaking Boundaries. Johns Hopkins economist explains why the true cost of Biden's spending plans could actually be $17.1 You don't say. Or roughly three times higher than advertised. In his first 100 days, President Biden rolled out ambitious spending plans meant to vastly increase federal funding for everything from infrastructure to jobs and families. The whopping $6 trillion price tag, by the way, more than the net worth of all the billionaires in the U.S., mm -hmm. so obviously the rich are going to pay for it. The whopping $6 trillion price tag on these combined proposals has raised many eyebrows about how a nation more than $28 trillion in debt can afford such a splurge. But one prominent economist is warning that the true costs of his plans could be more than three times higher. Steve Hankey. I'm going to say Hankey. Does that seem right or Hank? What do you think? Hankey it's sounds Hank good. It's Hank with an E at the end. All right. He's a professor of applied economics at Johns Hopkins University and director of the Troubled Currencies Project at the Cato Institute. In a new op-ed for the Wall Street Journal, he argues that the true cost of the president's spending proposal is really closer to the $17 trillion, or $119,000 per taxpayer. Jesus. Woo! Why are the current price tags such vast underestimates? The Foundation for Economic Education interviewed Hank to find out. Hanky, to find out. The Economist started by pointing out that the collection of taxes is not a costless exercise. There are hidden costs associated with it. One isn't even hidden, actually. It's the financing of the federal government's tax extraction operation, namely the IRS. Then, in addition to that, there's hidden costs incurred by the taxpayer, 
literally to prepare their taxes and to adjust their economic activity to comply with the tax code. Between those two, just those two, he estimates that the costs are 10 to 25 cents per dollar in tax revenue connected, coll collected. So for every dollar they collect, there's another 10 to 25 cents extra in costs for people when they collect that money. So it's fair to assume that the surface level price tag of spending proposals underestimates the true cost by 10 to 25 percent. Nowadays, that's just a rounding error. However, Henke says the hidden costs associated with taxation extended far beyond collection and compliance. He explained that there's an excess burden. Now, what I'm surprised about is that this actually went out in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I guess that's not always a super left-wing publication, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I, I'm just surprised that they allow viewpoints like this out there, this type of extremist ideology. You would have guessed. I know. You and I were talking before the show. I, I'd seen a graph um, about how, you know, wages were rising as productivity was rising, and then all of a sudden in the, you know, the 70s and 80s, productivity kept increasing and wages kind of remained a little stagnant. And what's interesting is, is that before the seventies and eighties were the sixties. And then in the sixties, that's when the payroll tax increased from 2% to seven and a half percent. And so that's why companies aren't really wait. They're not really raising people's wages by very much. They're just offering different compensation packages. Why? Cause they don't have to pay the payroll tax on it. They mm -hmm. can actually write those, they can write off your other benefits as expenses that they pay and save on taxes rather than pay you more money and pay more taxes. <laughs> it's amazing how these incentives work out. Thanks for that one, Joe. As Henry has... I had, I had hanky panky stuck in my As head. <laughs> Henry has lucidly explained in Economics in One Lesson, by the way, everyone go read that book, Economics in One Lesson. Very good stuff. He said, quote, taxes inevitably affect the actions and incentives of those from whom they are taken. He specified that the larger the percentage of the national income taken by taxes, the greater the deterrent to private production and employment. Such distortions cause the economy to generate a lot less revenue and income than would otherwise be the case. Hankey continued, the excess burden simply accounts for all these losses. He pointed out multiple studies showing the excess burden of taxation is between $2.65 and $3.00 for every dollar that the government takes mm. in taxation from the economy, it's actually taking between two sixty-five dollars and $3. Quote, so any new government expenditures, you've got to multiple them, yeah, there's multiple them by three to get the true costs. He did ask the economist whether it holds true if the spending is financed by federal debt or money printing, because when you bring up arguments like this, what everyone's saying is, well, we're just going to print the money. It's going to be fine. Yeah, just Those like magic the person printers. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our dumb bleep from last week. Those magic printers. They just mm. go burr, and then we get all this money, and we don't have to worry about it. You know? That's they just burr, print those tandies. He noted that ultimately it all leads to higher taxation. Because the printed money's got to be paid for. The, you've got to actually pay the money back someday. And even if it's not going to be in your lifetime, it's going to equal more taxes. Mm. It's, it's going to happen sometime. It'll be paid off. And pointed out that the Biden administration has repeatedly said that it will offset its spending proposals with direct increases in taxation. So they're not even saying it's all going to be printed. They're saying it's going to be going to be paid for mm -hmm. through taxation magically. So you might be wondering why is this the first time I'm hearing about all this? Well, the nonpartisan institutions like the CBO commonly relied upon cost estimates don't factor in excess burden of tax increases. They just use face value. And the main reason is. Um, the economists that are that are working there in the government to tell us what things are going to cost, they rarely look at the unseen. They always look at the 
the bottom line. What's the dollars I can see mm -hmm. right here? But they don't factor in projections of what are the potential losses in the economy going to be. They can't, they can't be worried or bothered with all of that mm -hmm. random stuff no. like that. Because that's just that's just hearsay. We've never seen that the more you tax companies or the more you tax wealth, the less productive people will be, the less investments they'll make. Just like the the um, the health experts with the coronavirus. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They were they didn't look at the unforeseen consequences of shutting down the economy that more people might actually die from other causes than a virus because viruses or virologists just study viruses. They don't study the suicide and other reasons humans die they just study how viruses kill humans so when they make their recommendations they're not looking at any of the other unintended or maybe intended consequences that could be caused from all kinds of different factors because most people that i don't even know what how to say this most people don't have that type of scope when they're looking at something, they want to see that two apples and two apples equals four apples. Mm -hmm. They don't want to look for the worms in the one apple and then it's <laughs> going to disappear. And now you've only got three, even though you started with four. It's That's like when they, well, yesterday or the day before, we talked about Elon Musk doing the carbon capture thing and him saying that it's not just a no brainer like plant more trees. He was like, well, where are you going to get the fertilizer? What about all the water that those trees are going to be taken up? You know, there's a lot of other things that you have to consider. When you take money out of the private economy, we talk about this all the time, the government is not as good at spending money efficiently as the private economy is because the private people, the money, the people that you're taking the money from, they want to recoup on their investment and it's their money. So they actually want to be able to make money off of that. They don't want to lose it. But when you're taking the money out of the economy, the government doesn't spend it wisely because they can just steal more money from more people. Yeah, they don't care. They don't have to worry about that. You can look at Musk and SpaceX. One of my favorite things he ever said was that he wanted his team, like, why would you want to catch this fairing coming down off the rocket in this ship that's called, I don't know if it's, of course, I still love you, but there's a big net that that catches a piece of the rocket when it comes down and he said i just told my the people at my company to imagine that there was a pallet that had 35 million dollars worth of cash and it was falling from the sky he's like you want to you want to try to catch that pallet that's what you want to do nasa never had a reason to think like that they didn't need to because they could just steal more money from people there was no reason for them to reuse the rockets and now if we get out of space Not only that but they reduced the cost by the way of putting satellites into space by 90 <laughs> percent yeah 90 yeah. percent cost reduction yeah obama That's dropped insanity. the pallet and it just landed on iran somewhere that's actually what happened but outside of the musk and spacex thing that is that is able to be applied in most business senses where people are actually working in a semi-free market where if they don't do good things for their customers and they don't manage their money wisely they could go out of business and they could lose all the money now if you're working somewhere where you expect to just receive all the money back from the government after they steal it from other people that's a little bit different of course but most people in the economy they want to make sure they get the best investment out of that money as possible when you take the money out of their hands and you put it into the government's hands, then that dollar that could have been turned into three is then turned into negative one, and then they just steal more money from other people. So when you look at the unseen consequences here, this is actually going to cost way more than $6 trillion. Mm. Way, way more. 
than six trillion. All right, we don't have to go any further on that. Yeah. So unless you got anything else. Well, he, he explains that here at the end. He said, why don't these agencies take these crucial figures into account? Hanky, Panky answered <laughs> that to do so would be politically incendiary because if they did, very few spending proposals would ever pass a cost benefit analysis. <laughs> uh, by, and what he means by very few spending proposals is uh, none. Yeah, would I mean, ever pass a cost benefit analysis it's because all, the government doesn't produce folks. It's already, we don't know if these spending bills are going to go through, you know, it depends on what Kristen's cinema does or what Joe Manchin does, whether or not they're going to support it or not. Imagine that's with 6 trillion. Oh, it's like 4 trillion hanging out there that hasn't been voted on yet. Imagine if in his speech, he said, we're going to spend 13 it's we're going to spend 4 trillion but it's actually going to cost the economy about 12 trillion and we have no hope of ever making back the money because we'd have to raise taxes to like 90% to actually pay this back and we're not going to do that 90% on everyone so that is why it's politically incendiary it's just not going to it's not going to work that's why the CBO would not want to actually go into these numbers Joe said they'd still vote for it <laughs> yeah yeah they probably would actually they'd probably be happier about it because yeah. it was going to put more money in the government's hands i guess all right, y'all, in case you're wondering, um, this is from CNN, Facebook Oversight Board, which is clearly an independent board, I bet, they uphold Donald Trump's suspension from the platform. So all those you, all of you alls, all yins, all yins, all yins, funyins, funyins, looking forward to Donald Trump's return to Facebook. Well, that is not happening. Not anytime soon. <clears throat> Facebook can keep blocking former President Donald Trump from using its platform, but must revisit that decision within six months. The social <laughs> network's court-like oversight board said Wednesday. There's Facebook ruled that Facebook can continue the ban. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they can't continue the ban, which is what we'll talk about here in a sec, but the idea that there's just oh, this oversight board, this you know, court, oh, this. my hands are tied. I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. Go, I wonder if it's going to go to their appeals. <laughs> oversight board facebook's appeals board now listen to this they, they they talk about it like it's a real court the landmark decision <laughs> like it came from scotus the landmark decision <laughs> it's kind of scary actually affirmed the company's decision to issue the suspension after the january 6th u.s capitol riots the board said it concluded that trump's post on january 6th which praised the rioters Quote, severely violated Facebook's policies and created an environment where a serious risk of violence was possible. <clears throat> so that sounds like that's what Snapchat did with those kids, too. Yeah, I know. However, the board criticized Facebook for having made the suspension indefinite and said Facebook must review the decision and impose disciplinary actions such as time-bound period of suspension or permanently disabling the account. Sanctions consistent with Facebook's policies. Sanctions. <laughs> It sounds <laughs> they're a government say exactly <laughs> quote within six months of this decision facebook must re-examine the arbitrary the arbitrary penalty it imposed on january 7 and decide the appropriate penalty the board wrote its decision they wrote their opinion <laughs> this penalty must be based seriously Dissenting judge wrote <laughs> yeah yeah and uh justice alito didn't agree with this this penalty must be based on the gravity of the violation and the prospect of future harm. It must also be consistent with Facebook's rules for severe violations, which must in turn be, be clear, necessary, and proportionate. I would like to submit a claim to Facebook then. 
I want to sue. Why were you banned so many times? Why? Yeah. Why was I banned? Quote, in implying a vague standardless penalty and then referring this case to the board to resolve, Facebook seeks to avoid its responsibilities, the decision said. Trump reacted in a statement describing decisions as a total disgrace and embarrassment. Trust me. Other social media companies, great. Facebook, terrible. Terrible. The worst. <laughs> I, the, the only reason I... A landmark decision. I know. It is wow. like a Supreme Court. But I put this in here because it was trending all over Twitter to delete Facebook. And the the people on the right very unhappy about this. And now, mm. listen, I was looking forward to potentially seeing some more Trump posts out there yeah. because they're hilarious. You know, And they I are. think that that would bring good value to the podcast to have more Trump posts out there. Mm. It was purely selfish reasons mm. that I wanted him to be back That's out there. That's mainly what you do. But I will still hold true that this is totally Facebook's rights to to not allow someone to use their service server space if they don't want to. It's their prerogatories. <laughs> their prerogatives. It's Facebook stuck in prerogatory. Yeah. Now I, I know a lot of people will be upset about that because well maybe it's section two thirty. I don't think the repealing section two thirty is a good idea. I think that will lead to way more censorship. Does this make them a publisher? I don't know. I don't I don't really think that things get better if you make them liable for things like this, I think that they get even harsher on their policing. Is Facebook the new town square or whatever? No, it's Facebook. The town square is the town square and Facebook is Facebook. Okay. It's a private company kind of, but to this date, it's still a private company. And I cannot imagine any time where the government should be able to come in and rule because that's what would have to happen. Remember, Facebook wasn't going to allow Trump to be on there that the government would have to come in and force them to allow someone to use their software in the same way that I think any business can refuse service to people if they want to, mm -hmm. for whatever stupid reason it is that they Even want if to you don't agree with that reason. Yeah. And we're, we've made those arguments tons of times. Go the, the freaking cake baker, you know, terrible person as he might be. Maybe he's a good person. He's just stuck in his olden days, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. We'll, we'll say maybe he's a good person, just misguided and, and misunderstanding maybe some things, but, should he be able to do that? Yeah, you, you should. You have a business. And people are free not to use his business. Yeah. I, I, as long as they're not forcing us to be on Facebook, then I think that that's, I think it's fine. Right. But. I could agree more. But the other reason this was in here is because what happens when they are no longer private businesses? What happens when they are violating constitutional rights on behalf of the government? What do we do? What do we do about this? Sound like you were going to go into the what if speech, but. I, I had the same idea in my head, yeah, yeah, after I said that. DHS. What if we aren't really free? D DHS may partner with outside firms to surveil Americans' online activity without a warrant. Mm. Mm. From, the, from the National Review. Mm -mm -mm. The Biden administration is considering working with outside firms to surveil extremist language by Americans online. Anonymous sources told CNN on Monday. A plan being discussed by DHS officials would allow the agency to use outside firms to access private messaging apps used by extremist domestic groups. Mm. Of course, one thing we're going to have to figure out is what classifies as being extremist. Is it adhering to the Constitution? Is that extremist? Liberty. Liberty-biberty? 
Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. DHS is generally limited in its ability to monitor Americans online and is banned from using false identities to infiltrate online groups. However, the agency reportedly believes that contracting with outside firms could present a workaround solution. It's like, oh, we didn't actually do it. We didn't do it. This we com- didn't do the spying. This company did it. And they just gave us the results. Because, you know, we'll... Because the FBI cannot legally monitor Americans without a warrant, DHS partnerships with outside firms could also provide the FBI with some intelligence. Finally. Now, what Now what happened if they pay for that intelligence? Isn't that the same thing as doing the work? That's what we need to figure out here. Because if you are literally paying someone to do something that it's illegal for you to do, aren't you kind of doing that thing? Yeah, like... I, mean, like I, I can't murder someone, but I also can't pay someone to murder yeah. someone for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's also illegal. Like the government the can't stop you from protesting, but can they pay someone else to stop you from protesting? Would that violate your First Amendment rights? Well, the government didn't stop you from doing it. This outside firm did. This firm. We paid them. Yeah. We paid them. So that's we, a, maybe that's the thing with contractors. That's how they're getting away with it with defense contractors. DH, we didn't start a war. This contract company did. Yeah, the Black, Blackwater did it. Yeah, we didn't kill those people. Blackwater did that. Yeah, those crazy contractors. I mean, so this actually is a. They page. don't report to our generals. This is a page out of the old book, right here. Yeah, because that is what we do in other countries. You know, when they say, "Well, all the U.S. troops are out of this country." Okay, how many thousands of contractors are still there that the U.S. government is paying to be there? It's a lot still. DHS, uh, let's see, they said, we are exploring with our lawyers, civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy colleagues, because they really care about those things, how we can make use of outside expertise. They're exploring with uh, uh, not good ones. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. I talked about the plan being discussed. The initiative comes... Oh, you don't want to say his name. That's right. I see. The initiative comes as law enforcement... Are you really going to pass by his name? Whose name? What are you talking about? The DHS secretary. Oh, Alejandro Mayorkas. There you go. That's his name. No, what I noticed is I copied something a couple times here, so I just skipped over. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the initiative comes as law enforcement agencies ramp up scrutiny of extremist groups with members present at the Capitol riot on January 6th, including the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. President Biden said white supremacists currently represent most lethal terror. Now, did we ever prove that Proud Boys was a white supremacist organization? I don't. Did that ever happen? I did, not that I know of. There's this thing where you. Well, they're name, on that. They're probably on that southern southern poverty. Oh yeah. List. That's how. It, like I'm still. We haven't made it yet because we haven't made it onto that list. Mm. But I'm sure we're on some other ones. I don't know. But you just say these names of the groups: the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Biden said that white supremacists currently represent the most lethal terrorist threat to the U.S. during his address to Congress last mm-hmm. week. However, the plan has produced skepticism among observers and DH, of DHS handling of the riots in Portland. This is why they're skeptical, by the way, is because of how DHS handled the rioters in Portland. And so they're worried about DHS being able to do this. Okay, federal agents were dispatched to assist local police in combating anarchists in the city which saw over 120 consecutive days of riots. You know those pesky anarchists that want to take over and then control everything that you do? Yeah. Yeah. Those are not anarchists, by the way. Right. Those are fascists. Yeah. Those are fascists and communists that are out there right now. They're not anarchists. Anarchists don't take over something so they can be the government afterwards. Mm -hmm. I remember when this show first started warning people um, that that the label terrorist and these new laws that they have for terrorists is dangerous. 
because one day they might label you a terrorist and then they can do all kinds of things because people were okay with, or a lot, well, not people in general, but there were a lot of people that were okay with um, torturing terrorists to get the right information and things like that. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they're, they're terrorists. Mm -hmm. there was a, Maybe. Why should we treat them like, like they're human? They're terrorists here. And now you see that this, they're using this to label other people in America, Americans terrorists, because now they're domestic white supremacist terrorists. Mm. Mm. As long as you put the terrorist word in there, then they can go basically outside the law and they, and they demonize them. And, and now they're no longer, you know, just regular people getting arrested for committing crimes. They're terrorists. And that's scary. What I want to know is, maybe from the live group, you guys can help me out. How do we, as people who don't like it when the government takes an action to stop, say, a private business from doing something, um, you know, as, unless they're just removing liberties from people, but how do you do this? How do you do it when they are uh, going to be actively paying people Maybe not even paying them. I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they'll just not tax them as much. Who knows? But they're going to be actively pursuing other companies to do things that the government itself is not allowed to do. And they know that they can't do it, but they can have these other people do it. And you know why they can do that? Because when you download an app or when they do an update, as soon as that thing comes up with all the legal mumbo jumbo on it and you see the word accept, you smash that accept button as fast as people smash the subscribe button on the mother and GML podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what's inside of that is going to be saying that, well, we can give other companies your information and they can see what your messages do. And we're going to be tracking everything that you do on here. And we can see all your messages and photos. Actually, you gave us access to your photos. We can see all the photos that are on your phone too. And by the way, this also says we can have access to everything else is on, that's on your phone. Only it's like 80 pages long and you're not going to read it. And so they know they can go. And to, even if you do read it, you're still going to accept because you don't have any it. other options. <laughs> yeah, basically. Now I don't. I don't know what other apps are bad on my phone. Probably TikTok that are on there. But I still don't have the Messenger app on my phone because all the talk was going around about how the Messenger app was spying on all of your information. Mm -hmm. I never really looked into it, but it was trending on Twitter for a couple minutes, so I got rid of it. You know, uh, so I still don't have that Messenger app. But oh, yeah, I just use it on the desktop. But you, <laughs> you give permission for those companies to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what what do we do as liberty-loving individuals when it's no longer companies doing it so they can target your advertising better, which I like targeted advertising. I think it's really good for the economy overall. What do you do when they're actually paying those companies to get the information for other purposes? Is there a way to get around that? What is it? Is this a constitutional violation? Does it count as the government breaking any type of constitutional rules whatsoever? I don't know. You guys let me know. I, I mean, I think so. I think we proved it by, but you follow that logical fallacy to its conclusion. And if you can't pay someone else to commit crimes for you, then neither can the government. They, they shouldn't be able to. I think that's pretty simple. I agree. I can't, I can't pay you to rob a bank for me. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I could, but I would go to jail. You could pay me. How yeah. much would you pay me to rob a bank? Not very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're at 43 minutes. I think we should go ahead and end the show here okay. instead yeah. of going into another story. Um, if you guys didn't hear us talk about it at the beginning, which if you're here, you probably did. 
We're going to be going to all of these events, and we want you guys to come hang out with us. Okay, so Pork Fest, Freedom Fest, Young Americans for Liberty, Revolution, something. I don't, I can't remember mm. exactly what it's called. I'm pumped about that one because remember that guest speaker they mentioned that we're not going to mention right now? Mm. Not the obvious, not the obvious Doctors Paul, but the other guest speaker who's going to be there, kind oh. of. You know, I'm pretty pumped about that one. I okay. don't know why, but I'm excited about it. So. Anyhow, I do recommend Probably you guys. Probably because he's the most Ron Paul person in Congress right now. Well, it's not it's not that. I don't think you know who I'm talking about oh, yet. Okay. But uh, we'll we'll discuss this in in private so later. So it's not sassy. No, no, it oh. is no one that's in Congress okay. or has been in Congress. So I'm I'm pretty pretty pumped about this, which means you guys should start looking at how you can go to these events and come hang out with us because we're going to be recording live podcast episodes from there. And uh, I'm pretty excited, and it's also going to give us a chance to hang out, and you'll be able to see people who are trying to be as cool as us yep. uh, while they're there. Mm-hmm. It's, I hate to tell you, it's going to be a failure, but I mean, they're going to try really hard. <laughs> Dave Smith, <laughs> come yeah. on. Yeah. Kidding. He's pretty cool. I like him. So anyway, look up those events. We'll, uh, we'll let you know for sure when we book all the other ones, but I want to see you guys come and hang out with us, and it's good for us to go support the other, the good people, the fine people that are putting on these events as well. Charlie, do you have anything to tell anyone to do? Yeah, share the show. Share the show with a friend, an uncle, a cousin, uh, the children, an enemy. Uh, share the show around anywhere you possibly can because that helps us way more than you guys know. And it's a very simple, free thing to do. So if you're not on uh, Patreon or supporting us in any other way, then the, the least you can do that's one of the most helpful. So if you're all about, if you're the kind of guy or gal who wants to do the least, but then also do the most amount of help with the least amount of effort, then that's sharing the show. And I think that uh, I'm just a simple ask. I'm just asking you to share it. That's how the numbers keep growing. That's how we grow. This entire movement is through all of your help. So thank you all for doing that. Continue to do that. Tell someone new every single day and then leave us that rating and review. If you guys do all of that, We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty.